Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Finds Us podcast. Today, we have Janine Holmes, who is the CEO of My Stuff Bags, on our podcast. She is based in Los Angeles and started this nonprofit over 20 years ago. My Stuff Bags gives American children who are rescued from unsafe home situations a bag filled with new belongings like a blanket, toiletries, games, etc. The children often aren't able to bring a single belonging with them when they are rescued from these unsafe home situations. And so receiving these bags really makes a difference in a child's life and makes them realize that someone cares and is thinking about them. Thank you so much, Janine, for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me and letting me talk about my stuff bags on your incredible program there. I've really been enjoying the podcast lately. Oh, oh good. So sweet. Yeah. Listen, so start right away and tell us how did you start my stuff bags? Well, basically, this started in my kitchen. Um, I always knew uh, about these children. I've been a children's advocate my entire life. I taught children for many years. Um, Went into a marketing career, never ever thought I'd be doing what I've been doing the last 20 years, but there you have it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's mostly because we knew that children going into foster care, children being rescued from terrible circumstances of abuse, neglect, drug-infested homes, would turn up at agencies with nothing of their own. They would be rescued sometimes in the middle of the night, turn up in their dirty t-shirt, and have nothing that belonged to them. The agencies that rescue these children just don't have the resources to provide something as simple as a toothbrush or as comforting as a teddy bear because they're busy saving children and getting children into safe homes. What is the mission behind the company? Well, our mission is to provide psychological first aid comforts and necessities to children all across America who must be rescued from abuse, neglect, abandonment, and homelessness and who often enter crisis care with nothing of their own. We support the agencies uh, that rescue the children as well as supporting the children with what we provide, which are individual duffels of new belongings. Oh, and they're so cute. And everyone needs to go to the My Stuff Bags website. There are lots of resources talking about how you can help and support this cause and lots of information about the children and quotes talking from the children and also the agencies of what it means for them to to receive this gift that is totally unexpected, I would think. Oh, yes. Wow, Delio, good job on your homework there. (laughs) You got all all the important points. So, yes, you're right. Um, uh, First of all, the bag is beautiful. I was was starting to show you a picture of it, Um, but there is a picture on the website and some videos there. It's a a good-sized blue duffel bag um, with a little red toiletry bag hanging off the side. You know, these kids sometimes don't have a comb. Right. Don't have a toothbrush for the next day. And then um, the bag is filled with things that are donated, and this is crucially important. Our idea, our our kind of unique idea for how we were going to do this um, is to make sure the bag is filled with quality items that are donated. Almost all items are donated. That way, when a child gets a bag, they're they're learning that a lot of people care about them. And the contents of the bags, um, first of all, the most important thing and the soul of every My Stuff bag is a blanket. And 
Um, every single bag we've ever given away to children across the United States has had a blanket. And we've learned that even the older kids treasure their blankets. It, it's mm -hmm. something to hang on to, something that feels familiar. And, and even some children we're serving have never received a blanket or had a blanket of their own before. Mm -hmm. So, and we've been incredibly fortunate that almost all of the blankets that we've distributed in my stuff bags have been handmade in one way or another, crocheted, quilted, knitted, and now we have a huge no-sew fleece blanket program. Then we also make sure there's soft and cuddly things to hold on to, so when we get enough of them donated, we put stuffed animals in my stuff bags. And everything else that's in the bag is age and gender appropriate. So we do bags for babies and bags for uh, preschoolers and bags for elementary school kids and bags for tween teens and amongst those boy and girl. So, um, you know, a young child will receive toys and a book and coloring book and crayons or um, some clothing and older kids school supplies that they desperately need, a journal. Um, but teen boys will get hats and, and, and sports hats and they'll get um, t-shirts and other things that teenage boys like. So we, we try really hard uh, to make sure that the bag is well suited to the child. Mm -hmm. That's so smart and so important. I know and I was just thinking about siblings versus only children. You know if this is uh -huh. something that you're truly experiencing alone I would think having a blanket or like you were saying something to hold on to would yes. be. Yes. Well, a lot of times you have a situation where children are getting separated oh, right, Lord. from their siblings. So they are, there's many times that children uh, leave home, have to leave home, yeah. and only that one child is being removed from the home. How do they choose? And so they've lost everything when you think about it. And then, you know, you have the whole homeless segment of the population, which is rapidly growing, as we all know, um, particularly here in California. Mm -hmm. And um, those children too are in at-risk situations, maybe going from motel to motel or, or sleeping in a car or whatever. They usually don't have much with them. Mm -hmm. Children who are rescued in a drug situation, um, it's often necessary for them to leave things because everything is considered toxic and they will have to wash down a child as they are leaving their home to make sure that they don't take any toxic residue with them. So you're talking a number of really difficult, uh, traumatic situations for kids. And um, as we all know, kids care about what's tangible right that minute, what, what's right in front of me, what, what can I touch and have and hold on to right now. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's crucial that we supply this kind of psychological um, comfort to them at a rough time in their life. Yes. And how it, is it chosen that if they are in a sibling situation, why is it that only one of them is getting rescued? Well, I'm not, I'm not saying in all cases, um, but you may have abuse against just one child in the family. Oh. So a child goes to school. It's just a typical scenario. A child will go to school. Um, they will notice bruises that they've noticed again and again. Or a child talks to a counselor or a, or a teacher who are <laughs> obligated to report that to the Department of Social Services. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it happens in all kinds of different ways. And then we have kids that we serve who've run away from abuse, older kids who've just mm -hmm. escaped and sure. are on the streets until they get rescued. Um, and here in, here in California, we also serve children that lose all their belongings in our horrific fires that we seem right. to be having every year now. Yeah. Right. So there's a number of ways in which a child can end up in this set of circumstances. What's 
absolutely astonishing is the numbers. The numbers are just ridiculous. Um, there's 300,000 children entering foster care every year. That is not counting the kids that are already in foster care, which is like half a million kids. Good grief. And they, you know, transition in and out, and eventually they get put into foster care, and that's a huge, huge number. Um, California ranks highest among the states, but um, actually, because I think you told me you're in Florida? Currently, uh, Alabama. Yeah, I was looking for your stats, and you have something like 16,000 children in Florida entering foster care mm. every year. So it's by no means small amounts of children. This is a huge right. number of children. And this is not counting. I'm only, the statistics I can give you are related to foster care. But I'm not counting on, um, you know, the kids that run away from home with their mom and entered a battered women shelter, domestic violent shelter. And getting a, a grasp on how many homeless kids there are across the nation is, is also difficult, but it's, it's huge numbers. You know, there's 66,000 people that are homeless in Los Angeles. Mm. And families comprise a lot of that. And these are families that are basically um, economically, obviously, just completely strapped and in cars and, you know, going to homeless shelters when they can or living in motels, like on a week-to-week -week kind of basis. Uh, and we identify those children through the school districts. Mm -hmm. Okay. And another point to make here is that... Um, it, the rates of domestic violence are rising rapidly due to COVID-19. Mm -hmm. It's not all being reported yet because if you're in a domestic violence situation and you're sheltered in your house with your abuser, you can't really report under the certain, under the current circumstances. But based on all evidence of other huge economic and disaster upheaval kind of situations, there will be large numbers of children going into crisis shelters and foster care. Mm -hmm. as we start, uh, you know, moving kids back out again. Also, the people that would report on a child uh, being mistreated are usually teachers and school counselors, and, of course, kids aren't seeing those people right now. Right, right. exactly. So, yeah. Mm. Okay, let's get to the cheerful part of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's so grim. I had a question about the color blue. So how did you choose? That's my favorite color because I was a tomboy growing up. Mm -hmm. remained even though I've got yeah. a bit more girly but tell how did you choose the blue duffel bag I really probably the answer is it's my favorite color too <laughs> I, wanted, I, I wanted to pick a child's color that was neutral yeah to keep all the all the bags the, the same color we differentiate boy and girl we put a little name tag on the side of the bag and we we put a red string on that uh, so that everybody knows it's a bag for a girl. And then on that same name tag, we'll say what age group it should be mm -hmm. so that people can differentiate the bags. And then the people that receive the children and obviously request and receive the My Stuff bags, uh, take a look at the contents. They are obligated to do this and sign an agreement they will do this. They will take a look at the contents and say, is this bag appropriate for the individual child I want to give it to? Because... Some kids skew younger and some skew older for, you know, than their age. Um, some have a tendency to be dangerous unto themselves, so there's certain items that are not safe. So uh, we can't be there as every single My Stuff bag is, is uh, given to a child. Sure. So we make sure that the agencies uh, check the bag for the child and make sure that it's appropriate to that child. Now, the um, cheerful part of this that I wanted to talk about. Yes. 
is all the incredible people involved in this. This has been entirely grassroots supported. So we have people all across the United States uh, making blankets, sending collections of items for the bags through their church or a group of people that they get together or their children's school. Uh, we have corporations who visit us and come in and stuff my stuff bags. We have all of our local schools bring in their, their classes of kids to stuff the bags in our, uh, we have a 7,000 square foot warehouse facility. So we have a volunteer center. Um, it is entirely like an, a project that has a lot of loving hands. And that's what I like the most about it is all the participation. Of course, we're fortunate to have some companies and some organizations that supply us with uh, larger amounts of items for the children uh, because it's hard to get enough because we're trying so hard to serve so many kids. Um, so we have Molina Book Foundation. It just gives us huge Gaylord boxes full, which are huge pallets of bags every year. We have um, an organization I sistered up with in, in uh, Ohio, and her organization is called My Very Own Blanket. And so she has people in Ohio are making blankets and she was looking for distribution for the blankets to foster children. And I said, I've got the distribution. I just need as many blankets as I can get. So we worked out that program. We have a company in Washington called Simply Fun that gives us toys and puzzles. Uh, they, they make these great games for kids, non-electronic games. They're just great games for kids and families and caretakers to play together. And um, an organization in Utah, that makes these little wooden cars out of scrap lumber. It's senior citizens making these cars and they're very cute and we put one in practically every my stuff bag and um, they've been helping us from the very beginning and they're called the Happy Factory. And I actually visited the Happy Factory and it was totally like the happiest little factory. It was really cute. <laughs> it, was, it was really cute, yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm trying to give you the flavor, but you know, then we have, um, it just individuals who do collections and come and knock on our door and, and, and give us donations of items for the kids. And, and some of them do it on a regular basis. They just go, go shopping and, and give us stuff for the kids. Mm -hmm. Obviously things are a little different right now due to the shutdown, the uh, lockdown, which we're just barely starting to move out of here. So we had to change how we're doing the business, but I hope to get back to all of the fun and camaraderie and, wonderful things about people that um, went on in our building. Sure. Yes. Oh my goodness. And it's so incredible that you've opened up such a large space in LA. So we've touched on this a little bit, but how can people get involved? Well, starting with going just to our website, which is mystuffbags.org. Um, there's lots of information there, plain and simple how to help. Mm -hmm. um, people can get involved. At this point in time, people get involved by making cash donations or making blankets, which we're gonna to demonstrate to you at one point. Mm -hmm. um, and they're easy and no sew, and it's not, it's not a lot of work. Uh, people can do collections if they're able to do that at this time. Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm sort of very involved in California and where we are with the whole getting out of lockdown thing here. And we're just sort of in the first couple phases. I don't know how it is in a lot of other states. I know more people are able to go to stores now and gather now than we are allowed here. But that's one great way and all the information is on the website and there's a list of items that are mm -hmm. suggestions. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, as we gradually open back up, people in our local area are welcome to call in and see about volunteering. We're going to have to limit the volunteer groups so that we can uh, safely distance, physically distance, and, mm -hmm. you know, people are going to have to wear masks, and we're going to have to make an adjustment. We're probably going to have um, more of our stuffing take place outdoors where it's a lot safer for people. So we're still working out some of those details, mm -hmm. but there's lots of ways for people to be involved. And that's what, and I think, I feel like sometimes it's wonderful when people donate money, but when they actually do something like make a blanket or something like that, yeah. like you said, or stuff the bags, they get, you know, so much out of it themselves. Yes. Yeah. And you know, what's great about it is we just get to be in the middle of it, facilitating it. And it's, right. it's just, I, I feel very fortunate for that. Right. And but, um, you know, as always uh, for nonprofits, uh, funding is, is crucial. I can't ship bags to children. Sure. I can't buy the duffels. I can't. You right. get toiletries and extra things we need without funding. And it's enormously helpful, especially at this time when um, we know there's going to be some economic upheaval and it's going to be hard for a lot of people to right. pick up the level of support they've given us. So, um, you know, we're calling out for all kinds of help. Uh, mm -hmm. And I feel very uh, challenged and obligated, I guess the way I'm going to say it, yeah. um, to make sure we keep on providing my stuff bags to more and more children who are, who are going to come in their lives. Yeah. Imagine, you know, um, my, um, one of my daughters, is, well, two of my daughters have been homeschooling their children oh, and, you know, giving them incredible support while they've been out of school and had to stay home and not leave the house and, and, and not get together with friends. And, and, um, and, you know, it's been challenging for them, but those children are, surrounded by support and love and yes. a good situation. These kids we're talking about, not so much. No. Sure. And, and so as they um, start getting back into situations where they can get help, we want to be there with the My Stuff bags for them. Right. That makes sense. And everything about COVID, the fact that, you know, uh, volunteers can't get together, the fact that financial situations are so that maybe some people can't give as much, but then also financial situations will create more homeless kids and more, yeah. you know, right. uh, abuse. All more, yeah. It's You're even right. more important, you know, yeah. than, than it is normally. Like the, the blanket making activity, the no sew blanket or whatever you, if it, you want it to be knit, that would be the perfect family activity and a time to talk to your children and say, Oh, you know, mm -hmm. you know that all these children mm -hmm. around our country that this is happening to. And so that would make them more appreciative of their situation and understand to be thankful and to teach them how to start a lifelong journey of giving back to others who are less fortunate than you. So you are so right. You are so right. And I think also um, at this point in time, these kids are not unaware of a lot of things. So they're quite aware yeah. of, of some stuff. And it's a good time to bring up the disproportionate amount of black children who are going into foster care and who have much worse economical situation and uh, who are a large part of the children that we help. And um, it, it's a, it's, you know, it's a great conversation altogether to have about all children of all colors who go into foster care, who go into crisis situations. Mm -hmm. But in particular at this time that there's a disproportionate amount of black children going into care and um, it, it, it's, it just should open the door completely for all kinds of conversations. Yeah. And then, you know, as it, in, a, in, a, in a way that is age appropriate for a child, 
there's still, you know, the best part about it is look, look, here's something you can do. And right. my little five-year-old granddaughter made a no fleece, no so fleece blanket. So yeah. if she can do it, she made it better than I can to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm not, that's why I'm not the one that's going to demonstrate this blanket making. <laughs> That's so funny. We're all about tangible things, you know. That's yeah, yeah. And then the older kids yeah. get uh, community service hours if they request it. Oh. Uh, we have a donation form, and if they send that form in, then they can say community service hours, which a lot of the older kids uh, must have their community service hours. That's huge here. I don't know how that is across the country. But uh, the the fun thing about this blanket project, we um we've always had this, and we've always had people making blankets at the foundation. But when uh, COVID-19 hit and we had to close everything down and lock the door, um, I was very fortunate to have two guys who are roommates who are in our warehouse. So they're there opening donations. And I have one gal in the office and she's distance from them. And we reminded everybody about the No Sew Blanket Project and we put out instructions. And at our facility in Westlake Village, California, we uh, had some bolts of fleece, so we cut them for everybody so that they could come and get the fleece. And the moms were so grateful to have something for their kids to do. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of spread um, uh, to people in, you know, down in San Diego, a group of people are doing it. I have a sister in Oregon. She got all, of, all, all the people she is associated with there doing it. So we got blankets from all across the country, and it's, it's super cool, and it's, it's something that's easy that everybody can do. Right. Right, so they would make the blanket, and then it, it, the instructions are on the website, like how to get it to you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And how to make the blanket and everything. Yeah, and sure. everything about, yes. And then it tells you where to, where to send the blankets as well. That's fabulous. And then we're going to demonstrate that for you, so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, what are some okay. of the challenges you faced in starting and running and growing my stuff bags? Oh. Well, I, I think at first, um, it's a lot of just having to let people know you're there mm -hmm. and that there's something they can do. And that has grown over the years and then exploded, I would say, over the last five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, for me, um, I, did a, I, you know, I, I couldn't hire a big staff didn't really want to hire a big staff to tell the truth because I'd rather put the money into the, getting the bags sure. to the kids. Sure. So we, we have always operated with a small, I call them small but mighty, uh, staff of people. And these are people who are as passionate as I am about helping these kids. And, and so um, that's been a huge part of us growing, that feeling, and then letting people know that there are opportunities to volunteer. Mm -hmm. um, and growing our volunteer program. So you have to imagine this, um, you know, the first My Stuff bags were stuffed in my garage in my kitchen. And then it was growing. So then I moved into a, um, a storage facility that had to have some place to put all this stuff. And then we had our, our stuffing uh, parties in the storage facilities alleyway. And then we found a little building near my house, which we grew out of within a few years. <laughs> and so now we're in the right facility. And moving into the facility we have now, we're surrounded with a wonderful community of people. And that, that's been a huge part of, of, of growing. Um, I'm sort of A plus, A plus kind of personality, uh, very compulsive and very um, driven. And 
my passion for what I do and, the, and this wonderful opportunity that has been given to me. So I think um, learning that thing that people call life balance <laughs> has been a big challenge for me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not so balanced, um, and especially not since COVID-19, because all of a sudden I'm a remote worker, and oh, yeah. oh my gosh, well my you know my my thing has always been to be in the hubbub of what's going on. So I have an office and I have a stand-up desk because I I, I can't sit down for a half hour anyway. So <laughs> I. I walk away from my desk, I go out into the volunteer center and I say hello to the people out there and I check in with what's going on out there and I walk through the office and talk to the couple of people that are there and it's just very involved and very lively all the time. So all of a sudden being stuck in a remote situation has been, what a challenge, Sure, a, a huge challenge. Um, good for me, you know, good to learn because we all don't know what the future holds here. And um, I was just so determined that we weren't going to back off and say, oh, we just can't do my step backs for a while because it's just right. too hard. I was just right. determined. So uh, we, the way we set it up, up at first is leave those three people that I spoke about in the office safely distance, and I felt good about that. And we had to lock our doors, and we put a donation bin out front. We told people, you can't come in the volunteer center. It's too dangerous right now for people to be mingling. So go home and make blankets. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, we, uh, I communicated mostly, you know, with all the grantors, and I talk with a lot of people all across the country, you know, trying to get things for my stuff bags and, and uh, you know, trying to get grants to keep the operation running. Um, and all of that had to come home with me. And then on the weekends, uh, my husband and I go in and stuff bags <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> because we got to keep up with the bag stuffing. Right. So, you know, since this started, um, since March, actually, we've distributed almost 3,000 My Stuff bags, and I'm really pleased yeah. that we've gotten that far. Wow, that is and we're going to keep we're going to keep on rolling because the need is great, and so oh um, we'll find ways to keep making it happen. Sure. Yes, That's so admirable. It is, and I feel like saying something. This is too tough. It's too hard. That's right. the easy way out. So yeah. Good for you. Well, and, and um, you know, I, I learned a lot when we went through the Great Recession. Was that 2000, oh, yeah. 2008? That um, and it was it was very it was a bit terrifying. I mean, making sure enough funding was coming in to even you know pay the rent and um, right. run employees even further. And um, and the thing I learned was that the people that are involved wanted to stay involved, but they couldn't give as much economically because they were frightened sure and losing jobs and so it it became clear that hang in hang in hang in and then that all turned around and so it's not like we lost our friends and supporters they just gave less for a while so we had right. to find ways to make it work and fortunately we did and um, a lot of nonprofits kind of ran scared at that time and shut down shut their doors and you know Yep. It's exactly the time when our mission is needed the most. Right. Absolutely. So the, the message, and thank you for, again, for allowing me on your podcast, is to get the message out there that we're here, we're doing this, we're going to make this happen. Right. As long as I can keep on doing this and everybody who surrounds us can keep on helping, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to help these kids. Yeah. So what is the ultimate vision for my stuff back? Oh my goodness. My ultimate vision is to help probably 1 million children across the United States. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, shockingly, we're at 600,000. We've, we've reached 600,000 children since oh, we started. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, so I, you know, if I can hang in long enough and everybody else hangs with this, we might be able to do that. And, uh, you know, to comfort as many kids as we can, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. Sure. They need, you know, um, there's something that's called adverse childhood experiences and the acronym is ACEs. Most of these kids, by the time they go into foster care, have experienced four or more adverse childhood experience, which brings on traumatic stress. It's like post-traumatic stress. It's just another kind of traumatic stress. So this goes beyond, uh, to me, this goes beyond uh, you get to have a teddy bear and a coloring book and right. a blanket, et cetera. This is uh, addressing their physical and emotional needs. And the need is uh, let, letting them know that people care about them, letting them know they're surrounded by their community, that even if they didn't have the best family or if very sadly someone in their family lost a job and they're homeless, whatever it is, that there's a community that's, that wants to watch out for them. And, you know, these are our future citizens. We should be demonstrating that we care about them mm -hmm. and giving them a better chance. Well, that's so true. And that's what... So, on that note, um, if you have time for it, I would like to read to you a couple of letters from our partner agencies. Sure. Our partner agencies are the agencies to whom we distribute my stuff back. So to give you a little background, they learn about us. They're, they're like foster care agencies, domestic violence shelters, homeless, homelessness agencies, homeless shelters, um, Department of Social Services, police stations, fire stations, anybody who may come in contact with uh, suffering children that need to be rescued. In fact, um, we're very much aligned with uh, a gun violence group in, in Los Angeles that goes and, and helps children who experience gun violence and who are also traumatized. Uh, in Los Angeles, we also serve the uh, Los Angeles Mayor's Office of Public Safety. So we recently gave them a donation um, of my stuff bags because they are taking care of children who are in the midst of being rescued and you know in the system so to speak right when this whole shutdown started and those kids need safe places to stay so they're staying in hotels mm -hmm. so the my I'm reading to you from the city of Los Angeles the my stuff bags donation given to the mayor's office of Pub public safety on April 27th 2020 were given to the children in Project Safe Haven Project Safe Haven houses survivors of domestic violence and their families during the COVID-19 pandemic. Most of these families have fled their homes, leaving everything behind in an attempt to find safety. Living in a home with violence is traumatizing for everyone involved, and fleeing that violence, while families feel is a necessary step, also exposes the family to an additional level of trauma. Children are often confused and afraid. The normalcy of the items in the My Stuff bags have been a grounding force to maintain a sense of normalcy for our children in an otherwise tumultuous time. Many of the children have grown up in environments where kindness was a rarity, and receiving these bags that are just for them is a rare moment of compassion and caring. Many of our kids cried upon receiving them from being overwhelmed with the feeling of being cared for. There are not enough words to express properly. My gratitude for your organization and their support of these amazingly resilient children. And this is from Chanel Smith. She's the Director of Domestic Violence and Vulnerable Populations in Los Angeles. Wow. 
This is one of hundreds and hundreds of letters we receive um, from agencies all across the country who rescue the children. And so we get, you know, it's wonderful to get the feedback for us and for our supporters to know that what we're doing is having a significant impact on the children. Of course, and you and I know how important it is to get to children as, as young as, as we can to help them um, yes. you know, build self-confidence and resilience. Exactly, and it matters when they're young children. It matters so much, and um, you know, the few circumstances uh, that I've had um, of children who've grown out of foster care who still have their My Stuff bag it just slays me. It really does. It just mm -hmm. is so, um, it says so much about what it means. They hang on to that bag all the way through. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, did it, didn't you tell me, Delia, you're in Florida, right? Well, we are currently, I came here to quarantine. I live in New York City and mom lives in Alabama. Next oh, <laughs> okay. I, for some reason, I thought you said Florida the other day. Yeah, okay. we're, we're in Florida now. Yeah. We're at, oh, we're you're in Florida. Okay. <laughs> you came, okay. Okay. Delia came from New York to Florida. Yes. Okay. We're and, in Florida and, at my parents' vacation home. Oh, nice. Well, I, because I heard what you said about Florida and Alabama, that's what I picked up on. I also, and this is up to you, I also gathered um, a couple letters from Florida and Alabama. Great. If you don't mind listening to, because yeah. I, I love what other people have to say about us. It gets to be too much of me. So this is an organization in Florida called the Children's Advocacy Center. It's in Lake County mm -hmm. near Leesburg, Florida. I don't know Florida very well at all. Um, and they're also in Sumter County in Wildwood, Florida. Okay. And just one little portion of it. Um, recently, we provided service to two girls ages 12 and 14 who had been sexually abused by their biological father for two years. These girls came to our Center for Services, told their story to one of our counselors, and were having to go to a foster home upon leaving our facility. Because they were a little older, they were concerned about not having any of their things. Then we brought out the My Stuff bags. Their faces lit up and they asked in unison, do we get to keep them? <laughs> when they learned that these bags were theirs to keep, it brought a smile to their faces at one of the worst times in their young lives. Yeah. I can go on. <laughs> All, right. All right, one more from Alabama, then I'll stop, okay? Okay. This is uh, from a, oh, we serve quite a few of these organizations called uh, SAFI. It's, uh, it's alternatives in saving, saving families and saving lives. Um, and uh, they, this is in uh, Montgomery Division, Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah. And the portion is, uh, one of our younger girls who received a bag carries her blanket with her everywhere she goes. Our treatment director had to take her to another city to the doctor and she packed the blanket with her in her book bag just in case she wanted to take a nap. <laughs> this is one example of something as simple as a blanket goes a long way in providing comfort to a child experiencing trauma. Mm -hmm. So I strongly encourage your, your listeners to get involved in, in our blanket program, our no-sew blankets, or in any of the other ways that they want to be of help uh, to these kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those letters really hit home. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it, and it's one way of, of really reassuring us that what we're doing is having the impact we want it right. to have. 
Yeah. And you know, you think about this kid going in, you know, in they're going with strangers basically, and they, and so just to have any kind of trust in those strangers after Absolutely. what happened to them. So you know, um, sometimes just giving them the my stuff bag kind of facilitates a conversation or a way of calming down a child who's crying and distraught over what's going on and you know gives them a different focus and that's huge um the one question is and i don't know if we covered it or not but how did you come up with the idea to begin with um i it was mostly just knowing that these children go into care with nothing and that um they were arriving with their you know if they had anything or they picked up anything along the way they were carrying a trash bag mm-hmm. which right. did, which gives a horrific message to a oh, child. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, um, you know, coming up with the idea that it should be something of their very own in a way to carry a piece of luggage. So people had already kind of thought, oh, let's give foster kids luggage. Well, if there's nothing in it, you know, it, I right. don't know. It's not enough of a message to me. Right, right, right. So it just, it just um, developed over time. And, you know, we knew the importance of toiletries. And so we yeah. attached a little toiletry bag and um it was a you know a lot of people involved in in the beginning uh who who you know helped design and stuff and um i i fortunately got to pick the mission so and this is our only mission this is the only thing mm-hmm. we do is provide these bags to children mm-hmm. and it keeps us plenty busy oh, my <laughs> yes. no we don't need to be doing anything more right now no no so, no no we can't wait to um to learn how to make the no-sew blankets and also people that love to knit. Um, Hopefully they'll knit some beautiful blankets. Yeah, yeah. there's there's directions on our website. Um, It's just, it only has to do with the size, anything that will fit in a mid-size duffel is is fine. If people get a lot, you know, we've had people send us twin-size blankets and we can't get them in there. (laughs) Yeah, no matter how hard we try, because we, we put about, Eight or eight to ten things in a bag, so yeah, right. you know we want to we want to give them a variety of of new things. And it sounds like you want the blankets to sort of be where they can move around with. You know, they can easily take them with them in their book yeah. bag, for example, if they want to. Yeah, they need that. Yes. Well, everything goes with them. Everything everything in the bag is theirs to keep forever and ever. Yeah. And and moves with them. Um, you know, a, a, most kids um, in foster care will move through four different placements. No more. So to have one one thing with you that is yours and that's yeah. steady and you know is your belongings is hugely important. It's terrible. Well, this is wonderful though. Really yes, there's something there's something we can do, and you know I um I I learned a long time ago try not to focus on how big the problem is or the fact that I can't change the problem. I don't right. I don't see the level of abuse going down. I don't I don't see domestic violence going down. Right. I, I can't change the problem, yeah. but we can do something to help the child at the time. Right. And this I think is an important thing we can do. Yes. Yes, is there a letter that y'all include in the bag to them? We have um, included letters from children. We've had children make cards and put note, and we put those notes in. Mm-hmm. It's something you have to monitor very carefully. Oh yeah. Uh, we don't, personally put a letter from my stuff bags because right. it's not about 
the people, it's not just about me and the people at the foundation, it's about all the people that are involved. So yeah. all of the donations that are made, uh, you know, the idea is the caretakers are supposed to say, oh, people all across the United States made all these things for you. Somebody made right. you this blanket. Somebody got you this teddy bear. You know, that that's more what I want to get across. Sure. Um, but we have had some really cute cards that, that kids have done. And then um, our blanket making groups, a lot of them will put a, a tag or something on the blanket that'll say um, something sweet and nice and, you know, know you're loved or whatever. And that's acceptable too, um, as long as it's, as it's, they're not giving any personal information or their phone number or anything like that. <laughs> Give me a call. Yeah. Yeah. That would get, that would get us in a little bit of trouble. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But, um, Where can people find you? Well, are on our website, which is mystuffbags.org. And then we are also on Facebook and on Instagram. And uh, we put messages up all the time about the things that are happening and mm -hmm. the people that come in and the groups that come to get the bags, as well as the people that are providing and the wonderful donations we're getting from our big donors. Um, and we are happy to have all that communication going on. That's wonderful. And I was going to tell you, when I was searching to find out about you and I learned about there's some sort of a charity rating system, you know, and it's like an app that you can put in the name of the charity and they tell mm -hmm. you how much of the money you send really goes towards the charity and all that kind of thing. And you all have the highest rating that I saw of the charity. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. That I'm probably talking about charity navigator. It's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's our fifth consecutive year of getting a four star rating, which is the highest rating. It's just the greatest thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a comment about the money all going for the program. Uh huh. It it does. Everything we do is all about the my stuff bag. Um, a misconception people have is that you never have operating costs, which is not true. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so I've always got to put that out there. I have to pay for the lighting bill and the rent bill. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, but we we have a very um, low uh, administrative cost as compared to everything we put into the program. Right. And, and I just, I, I just go around, you know, saying it's, it's just all about the bag anyway. It's all about the bag. Of course. Yeah. We don't, we don't do a lot of, we used to do um, luncheons and fundraisers and stuff. And, and um, it takes a huge amount of employee time. Right. And much as we loved getting together with our supporters. Uh, sure. We're not into big, I'm, you know, galas and stuff like that. We're not into all that. Right. So we're, we're very grassroots. Well, and you've got to yeah. spend as much time as you can filling the bags because yes. people that need them. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, this has been absolutely delightful, and we are so glad we got to know you, Janine. Oh, thank you for that. And on, it's wonderful for me, too. I like stretching my wings, and um, I got a good little style lesson last night on your site. <laughs> <laughs> which, which right now my style consists of sweatpants and sweatshirts. So <laughs> exactly, I think you and everyone else. So. <laughs> yeah, you guys look very stylish, very cool. Head to the Style That Binds Us YouTube channel for the No Sew Blanket YouTube video tutorial. We walk you through step-by-step -step of how to make this No Sew Blanket, which is a great family-friendly lockdown activity that can be an educational activity, and it is a way for you to give back 
and help to pass the time and really make a difference in a child's life. So head to the Style That Binds Us YouTube channel to watch the No Sew Blanket video tutorial. If you like what you heard, tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye!